0: Church uh, for a lot of years, and um, the first time those of you that don't know, uh, the first time that I ever preached was in uh, the second week of August, in um, I guess it was 1999. I believe that's when it was, and I preached at Wahoo, where I was raised at Uh, that morning. And Ken Anderson was the pastor here at that time, and he came uh, that. That night, he asked me to come up here and preach, and y'all remember when God really, really passed by that night, and uh, I'll never forget what God did in my heart and in my life that night, and I appreciate that, and it's always been, somehow has always been a very special place to me, and uh, I love love you people, and uh, you know, I come in here and see a lot of faces that aren't here, and I miss Kenneth, you know. You know he's a great, great friend and I love the county know, But nevertheless, he's having to take care of his family, and I didn't know all of that. I still, talked to, talk to uh, Tony about it, but we appreciate appreciate the opportunity. This is the first time that I've ever had a dog get me an opportunity to preach. <laughs> uh, Tony, you know, works for animal control, and my dog is—we've got cattle dogs that work our cows, and I've got border collie. And he's smarter than most people. And I'm being honest. I've got him trained to sit in the front end lower when I am off and he'll sit there and just watch and not move and he won't get out until I tell him to get out and uh, push off right behind me and he's living there a bit. About the day he got out there's some uh, trailers down below the house that uh, uh, he used to run around you know doing what he wants to do and I guess he shouldn't but uh, the neighbors feed him and play with him the kids play with him. He got somebody's trash over there and of course they called Tony and Tony called me and. then Tony said, get the, uh, you need, can you take care of your dog? I said, yeah, I'll take care of it. So, what about coming to preach for us? <laughs> and, uh, so my dog got me an appointment to preach. I've never had that happen. So that uh, crazy old dog, done something. up before the, the dog is done. I appreciate it. Thank you. Before we get started, does anybody have a word of prayer? Does anybody have a prayer request? Anything you'd like to say before we get started in the message? Like for everybody that you would, remember my mom. She's been in the hospital this week with pneumonia and uh, seemed to be making some steps better. So if you would, just pray for her when you pray. Okay. And I always remember me and my family. Anybody else? Thank you, much prayers Charlotte, once you had her surgery, continue to get better. Okay. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Real quick. Well, if not, I'm going to ask Ricky lead us in prayer. Thank you. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you to this day, Lord. Thank you for the blessed with, Lord. Thank you for greeting everyone to come this way, Lord. Lord, thank you for seeing your son, Lord, to die on the cross for us, Lord. Lord, okay. you'll turn alive. All we have to do is turn Lord. Yeah. Lord, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. That's the greatest thing you've ever done. Lord, for me, thank you, Lord, because I'm offended you every day, Lord, that night and Lord, thank you for these little churches. Shout it out through this community, Lord. Lord, just be with each and every one of us, boy, Lord. Just go in and fill houses up with your little spirit, Lord. Lord, just use the man that comes and speak, Lord. Just knowing the way you see fit, Lord. Lord be asked always things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I appreciate you. I promise it'll be very short today. I appreciate, like I said, the opportunity. But if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter number forty. Isaiah 4, a very familiar scripture that we want to read in your hearing. And uh, all of you know where I am. Y'all understand where I've been what I may not know all the details. And I was praying about what to say and to bring before you people. It was some years ago, about four years ago, before my battle started, um, I, or right after the battle started, needless to say, right after that, Uh, The Lord gave me a message, and I preached it one time in revival uh, up at Bethlehem Baptist Church here in the county. And I used this thought, and this morning I feel impressed to use it again. I've only used it one time. And for some reason, uh, God has put this on my mind. And I want to give you uh, some scripture here that God laid on my heart about four years ago. And I hope it will be a blessing to you. About what God has done in my life and what He is doing in my life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 27. The writer says this, he says, Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? He, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator, of uh, the, the Creator, Of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. If I read that correctly, it would be Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27, down to verse number 31. Uh, I want to preach this morning with the thought, the subject of the thought that's on my mind on you've got to rise above it. you got to rise above it. Um, go back in my mind about... Uh, 12 years ago and I've been preaching for uh, right at 20 years this year will be 20 years and I have been in the ministry preaching the word of God and about 10 11 years ago I was uh, laying in bed in the middle of the night and, and I had a dream and, and, and the dream really scared me I remember uh, you know I don't I never have took a lot of stock in dreams you know we all have weird dreams you know of, and I have to confess, uh, uh, Jerry, you know, when I eat Mexican food, I have weird dreams. I don't know why I do, but I do. And you can ask my little boy, Eli, you know, I, I just have weird dreams. But this night, I was, uh, you know, never did take a lot of stock in my dreams. You know, we, you know, we'll dream about people that we've known and people we've been around. and just. But this dream in particular really grabbed my attention. And I woke up after the dream and I was in a cold sweat. And I was laying in the bed. It was about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. My heart was running away with me. And I remember laying there and waking up saying Lord God, what was that about? I mean, I you know, woke up praying. I mean, that's what I was doing. I woke up praying saying, oh God don't let it be so. And uh, in my dream, I want to tell you in my dream uh, and uh, uh, what took place. And in the dream there was a a great big field, and that field was filled with thousands of people. Thousands of people were there. I didn't recognize anybody in the field but two people. I recognized one being my former pastor was Brother Dean Bryant, and the other one was my brother Les. and uh, Those were the only two that I recognized, and everybody was there. Thousands of people. I, I would venture to say there was close to 100,000 people in that field. And uh, and I, I remember so vividly, so very well, uh, thinking and uh, saying, "What is this about?" I was just walking along, and there's Brother Dean, and he he died, he was hadn't died yet, and there he was preaching, and and uh, he was had all the thousands of people there, and he was preaching. He had his little top hat on, he had his suit and tie on. You know how Dean was. All you had to do is mention, preach to him, and he was like a. Uh, I mean, a hound dog on the coon. he was preaching right then, and one day I met him on the side of the road and said, Dean, what are you doing? He said, son, I'm a preaching machine. I'm preaching everywhere I go, and that was just Dean. You remember how he was, and and, and in my dream, Dean was there. He was preaching, but he wasn't preaching to the crowd. He had me pinpointed. I was walking toward the crowd. And Les was standing beside Dean and Dean was standing there and he was preaching in a big way and he had his finger pointed at me saying, son, you've got to rise above it. And the closer I got to Dean, the happier I felt. You know, I wanted to be around God's man. But in this dream there, I, I remember the closer I got to the crowd, the closer I got to Dean, fear literally gripped my soul and And there was a dark cloud that come over me in the middle of that field and uh, and the cloud was so dark that lightning and thunder was coming out of it. And I remember looking up and saying, Oh, God, take the storm from me. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to be in that. And, and, and I remember begging God. And Dean was uh, uh, Dean was still there preaching, saying this was his message the whole time. He'd shout a while, then he'd preach a while. He'd say, Preacher Lance, son, you've got to rise Above it. About the storm. And he was looking at the storm. And I lit And then literally in my dream. I feel God just saying it right now. I got up off the ground. I was going into the storm. And I remember the storm so well. I remember looking up into that dark cloud. And I got in the cloud. And there was a a lightning and thunder. And then as I got in the cloud. I heard voices. And things that literally shook me to my core. And I was so scared. And I remember praying and crying out to God, saying, God, get me out of this. I don't want to be here. This is uncomfortable. I remember crying out to God. But over all the voices down on the ground, there's that old preacher saying, Son, you've got to rise. Above it. And I remember thinking, if I can just get out of this cloud, I think I'll be all right. And just a little bit, in just a matter of an eye. I got up out of the cloud, and the cloud was under me. And I remember the relief that came on my soul in that dream. And I tell you, I said, God, thank you for getting me out of it. All those voices were still under me, and all the, all the thundering and lightning was under, under me. And I remember Les standing there with his arms crossed, Dean looking up at me. He said, and son, you rose above it. Son, you did it. You rose above it. And then just in an instance, I was above that cloud, and literally I got above it. And I said, This must be it. I'm going to heaven. I'm going there. And I now before I made it past the atmosphere of the first heaven, I remember waking up and I woke up in that cold sweat. And I said, Oh God, I, I don't know what that was about have no idea but God don't let that ever happen to me again if you ever woke up praying God don't let that, that dream come true and I'm gonna tell a friend you fast forward. From the moment of that dream to about eight years later, and I'm telling you, I was walking through that field again. And I woke up one day, and God was blessing me, hand over fist. God using me all over this country, uh, preaching the gospel. And you know what happened immediately? That storm entered my life. I want to say this today. uh, Here, this scripture that we read in your hearing is right. The writer is writing about those that have been weak. Those that are hurting. Those that are faint. Notice what he says in verse 29 there. He says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. You know, uh, he says, Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall early fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I shared that dream with you this this morning to tell you this, friend. uh, Dreams do have significance in Scripture. And I started thumbing through my Bible, said, God, surely there's Scripture here to back up what I I have uh, dreamed about. And I found it in the Scripture. Notice this in the book of Joel. Don't don't turn, but listen. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass... Uh, that he, he says afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon the flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall, watch this, shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaids. In those days will I pour out my Spirit. And so he gives us the record there that in the last days, the Lord's going to pour out His Spirit upon the flesh of the people. And people will dream dreams and prophesy what God is about to do. Notice this in Acts chapter number 2, verse 17. He says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And some of those of you might be here today say, well, we don't take stock in dreams. But God said in the last days, young men and and their daughters and uh, old men will dream dreams and have visions of what's to take place. And I tell you, I really believe with all of my heart that that dream that God gave me i was eight years prior to the storm of my life. Y'all all know where I've been. You may not know the details, but I want to say this today. The very moment I entered into that physical storm in my life, immediately, I hadn't thought about it for years, immediately, as soon as the storm started, God's Holy Spirit brought back to my memory that dream I'd had eight years prior of and God said son you're in the storm now and I remember the words of the old preacher dean saying you've got to rise above it, I want to say this today in the outstart of the message, friend. We all will go through storms. Churches will go through storms. If yeah, families will go through storms of life, I want to say it's not uh, up to us to give up and quit. I want to say, you're your little church, set here on the side of the road. God has blessed you for a lot of years. I was thinking, telling Gretchen about uh, uh, the old preachers that used to preach here and and all the ones that uh, the great names that uh, uh, had come through this place, and God had blessed, and uh, for the most part, you've been uh, part-time in in attendance here, and and, and God has blessed you, and we've seen souls work. I want to say this today. God has had His hand on Sinai Baptist Church since it was established many years ago. Can I get an amen on that? This is God's house. We may not be big in number. The crowds may not be overflowing. But I want to say this morning that this is God's house, amen. Hadn't God blessed this? Place. God has blessed you with good preachers. He's blessed you with good men and women. You've seen God work. You've had good revivals. But I want to say sometimes, listen, sometimes we go through storms. And sometimes it takes a long time to get over the storms of life. Now, I remember what took place here some years ago. What God uh, allowed to take place. But I want to say that storm is over. And Sonia, here's what I am going to say to you tonight. It may not mean a lot to you today, but you've got to rise above. Of the storm. Doesn't matter what people say. They say, ah, oh, there's a church over there on the side of the road. They don't got a big crowd. Not a lot of people going. Ain't much happening." But they don't know what God's doing yonder in heaven. They don't understand what God's doing down here and what God's got planned for this place. Amen. I want to say to Sinai, you've got to rise above what everybody says oh, this place can't be or won't be. Oh, it doesn't matter who's here. It matters this. All that matters is this, that there are one or two gathered together in His name, Jesus said He'd be there in the midst. As long as Jesus is here, that's all that matters, amen. you got to rise above it, man. You'll notice this there, that first of all, He says, but they that wait upon the Lord. I believe waiting's the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. I mean, it's in me to go. It's in me to not slow down. I mean, everything I do, I'm like fighting fire. Yesterday, me and Eli was pulling shrubs around the house, and me and him worked that old tractor as fast as we could, and we just loving every bit of it, dirt from head to toe, all over. So when I work, I'm ready to go, man. I want you to understand this: sometimes in the work of God, we've got to learn to wait. I mean, waiting is a hard, hard thing, is it not? I mean, some of you, you've faced hardship. You've been flat on your back in the hospital. You want to get well right then. But listen, God says, no. There's a process to it. You've got to wait. And some of you here today, you've got family. Now, that's not right with God and uh, your kids or your grandkids or your spouse or whoever it is. Now, that's not right with the Lord. And you want it to happen right now. But God says, Wait. You just wait. I want to say there's something found in waiting that we do not find when we're just running through the course of life. And I remember being in my storm and I had to wait literally for three years, three and a half years before I came out of the storm. And I remember looking up toward God saying, God, really? After all you've done for me, all the souls you've let me win, all the places you've let me preach and all the things you have allowed me to see and do in doing the ministry, and now you're making me sit here on the sidelines and wait? And I'd look up toward heaven and say, God, what do I got to do to get back to where I need to be? And God was all the whole time saying, Son, you just need to learn to wait, amen. Waiting today is something we need to learn in our local churches again, amen. We run apart, we'll run past God and what He's got planned for our life. And then you'll notice waiting uh, is uh, who we ought to be waiting on for. Notice this, He says, but they that wait upon The Lord. You know, it's something else when we wait for somebody to come. But when the Lord comes by, man, then we've got something to testify about. Amen. Think about it, man. I've waited for all these years for my little boy to get saved just the other day. He got saved, and I tell you, it's worth the wait to see him. Man, I I get excited. I told him the Zion the other day. I said, I, "When I was up teaching on Wednesday night, I said I believe the closest you can get to being saved all over again is seeing your kids get saved." And. Uh, I don't believe we get saved more than once, but I, 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 that night Eli got saved. I was walking on the water, man. I mean, God was blessing me. It was worth every bit of the way. I see that little. Thing. I mean, he was under such Holy Ghost conviction. He didn't walk to the altar. He pushed everybody out of the way, and he ran to the altar and burned his face on the altar. And I watched that little fellow do business with God. And you know, when God saved him, there was a relaxing spirit on his body. All of a sudden, that burden of sin—it just seemed to wash away and be gone I watched him get saved thank God it was worth ever bit of the weight, ever bit of the struggle I went through to see my little boy get saved, thank God you'll notice this, that when we wait on God there's blessings always to follow notice this, he says uh, he says there that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, now renewing is something that we need day by day, is it not? You know how we get renewed each day? By reading God's Word. By praying, studying, meditating on God's Word today. I think about all the times that I'd lay in my bed of the night after my storm hit. And uh, Jerry, I literally would lay in my bed and one of my kids on one side and one on the other they'd cry themselves to sleep and I'd cry myself to sleep and literally I'd hold my Bible in my hand and I'd put it across my chest and I'd look toward heaven saying, God, I don't know what to do. I've never been here before, but God, get me out of here. And day by day, I leaned upon God's word. I mean, people would come to my house and say, what have you done to get... But simply, here we are. But I tell you this, God's Word sustained me every bit to my troubles. And it'll sustain you. It'll renew you day by day. It'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. And He'll give you what you need to make it to the hard times of life. Amen. Amen. Tell you what happened to me. Three times in my life, I've had three vehicles given to me in the ministry. One time I had a man... Walk up to me and give me $10,000 cash. And I'd pray for it. And y'all looking at me, said, that didn't happen. It happened, man. I mean, I prayed. I said, God, I've got a need. I need, to, I need you to pay, uh, pay this debt. There I was in full-time ministry running up and down the roads, going to hospitals, revivals, a pastor and doing everything that I knew how to do for God. And I had a big need and all of a sudden it showed up in my front door. And the man brought it to me there and he said, uh, I'm not allowed to tell you where I got this. Somebody in the church gave this to you and they're just using me as the mailman man." said, here you are. And he sat there with his hands toward heaven is proud to see God bless you and to bless your family. And listen, God has literally blessed me in an outstanding way. And I'll tell you what happened right before my storm. Right before I was down the medical center, or headed to the medical center late one night, got my family home, got them settled into bed, and one of the old men of the church was down there dying, and he was bleeding out from the inside out. He's on that uh, blood thinner, was it Coumadin? I believe is what it is. He was bleeding out, and they said, Preacher, you better get down there. He's, he's fading fast. He's going to die. And uh, if you're going to say goodbyes, you better come now. So I got my family home, rushed down to the medical center. And I was on know to drive in my flatbed, every 50 truck, and I uh, hauled cows with. Them. And uh, I remember going down in you know, to drive, looking at those nice houses and those fine cars, and later the night, and i said, God, I know this truck ain't much, but you give it to me, and I appreciate you giving me what you have. And it is just me and God talking, you know, communing. And got down the road to Noda drive, and I said, God, if, if you'd see fit, I'd like to have me a better truck. If you don't care, if I go visiting, and won't feel like such a redneck hillbilly up behind the to, uh, when I'm visiting people, and they won't be ashamed of the preacher when he drives up in his old beat up truck. That's what I said. And, uh, Paul and I, I said, God, I. I'd just like to have a better vehicle. Fits all right. I'd like to have a better vehicle. And three days went by and I completely forgot about it, man. Completely forgot. It. And uh, three days later a man called me and he said, Son, I, I need to come see you. And I thought he's having family problems or whatever it was. He said, I'm gonna come see you. And so I said, All right, come on to the house. He said, It has to be after Bible study on Wednesday night. I'm not coming to church, but I want to come talk to you. And I said, All right, well come on, let's talk, let's get it worked out. And he said, All right, I'll be there. 8.30, 9 o'clock, and he pulled in, and there he was. He pulled in in a brand spanking new 3,500 Chevy diesel truck. I mean, man, it was sharp. And in behind him was his wife pulling a Toyota a Tacoma pickup, four-wheel drive, I mean, a nice little truck. And uh, he said, he started crying. He handed me a letter, and he said, uh, uh, just read it before you say anything. So I sat down and read it in my living room. I said, uh you ain't giving me that red truck, are you? He said, yeah, I got to. He said, I've been trying to sell this truck for about a year now. He said, I can't get nobody to buy it. He said, God won't let me sell it. He said, I woke up about three days ago on a Sunday night when uh, about 10 o'clock and he said, God woke me up in my sleep and grabbed my soul. he said, I've got to give this truck to you. He's on my porch. He raised his hands toward heaven. He said, God's been good to me. He's given me more than I deserve and he blessed me and he said, son, I don't have a need of nothing. He said, I don't need the money from that truck but he said, God told me to give this pickup to you and I literally grabbed his hand. Uh, hand and hugged his neck and I said oh God so good and I tell you what happened that day uh, he handed me the keys, he handed me the title of that truck uh, and literally he he handed it to me and as he handed it, he shouted on my front porch with his hands toward heaven he looked at me and he said it's yours now I don't want it back uh, and he said whatever you do with it, it's up to you and he handed me the truck and he walked out The driveway got his brand new truck. He said, thank God he's blessed me. I went to bed that night. Brother Jerry went to bed that night with my hands raised to heaven. Going, God, you're good to me. In the middle of the night, in the dark. of the day. God answering prayers. I want you notice that I needed some renewing. after that day. I needed God's... Hey, I'd say, God, what do I need to do? And he just renewed me day by day, little by little. I'm going to hurry and I'm going to close right here. Y'all didn't preach, uh, sing long so I ain't going to preach long, Okay. <laughs> You notice the animal that's represented here in verse number 31. Isn't it is amazing how God uses animals through Scripture to get one across? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Uh, you know, we went out west some years ago and we were in, uh, we went to uh, Montana, we went to Wyoming, Colorado, uh, you know, South Dakota, all those. States up there, and I went trout fishing out there, and I'll never forget seeing a scene that was there. And uh, people were driving by, just uh, you know, spectators, and there was eagles everywhere. And in the middle of one of those uh, big power poles, there was an eagle nest that built. They had built it's about six feet by eight feet, or eight feet by six feet, and there was a nest all one big top of that power pole. And uh, that bird was peeking over the side, and we had binoculars out watching that bird, and and uh, way, way off in the distance, you can see the clouds, and that bird was watching the storm. And uh, and I want to say this: that birdie. Uh, they tell me this: that when an eagle sees a storm coming, uh, they watch for the storm and wait for the uh, the the air uh, to change and shift. And when those the, uh, the the wind comes off that that storm, they wait for that wind to come. And now uh, that eagle, do you see it, friend? You see that eagle? The storm's come and. There he is. He's waiting for the storm and when the winds get just right, they take their wings and catch the, the wind that's coming to them and they look at the storm and eyeball it and, and they're trained to take those uh, those those wings and adjust them just right or to ride the storm out and when they the storm gets close enough, they don't go through the storm. They get above the storm. They rise above it and, and they tell me those eagles can literally get miles and miles up in the atmosphere and they'll fly so high when the storm comes by. Do you see it, friend? you got to rise above it. And, friend, when that storm comes, they rise above that storm and they look down on the storm and they wait for the storm to pass by. And it may take a few hours. It may take a long time for that storm to pass away. But that storm, there he is. He, he looks at that storm and he watches it and he goes above the storm. you got to rise above the storm. And, friend, when the storm storm passes by, he goes back down to his home down there and he waits for the next storm to come when he well unfurls those wings and looks again for the next storm. Oh, listen to me, friend. When the storms of life come, we do need to wait. We do need renewing. But I tell you, when storms come to the child of God, we ought to mount up with wings as eagles and rise above the storm no matter how hard it is, no matter how big it is, you rise above the storm. Amen. I know what you're saying. Was we'll say, preacher? You didn't rise above your storm. You have no idea what God allowed me to go through. And I look back on it now, and I say, God, I didn't like it. It sure didn't feel good. And this day, there's things about it I still don't like about it. But I'm going to say this: I I have been through a storm, and I've seen God bring me and my kids through. Watched my kids, raised them for three years alone by myself. Man, when I was first entered the store, I couldn't cook a lick. But now I like to cook. Y'all come to the house, we'll cook for you. <laughs> I throw down on well, how many pans of biscuits and gravy. One day I started saying, "Lord, I, I need you to help me. My kids is hungry, and I need to learn." I went up there to such as to Sydney and Bertha May Stover. My grandparents are still alive at that time, and I'd sit up there and I'd say, "Granny." I just going to watch you cook for a while. She'd go, oh, Why? I said, I need to learn. And she'd make those biscuits just as calm. She's in her 90s, 91, 92 at the time. And she'd make those biscuits like she always had, and I'd just sit there and watch. And Literally, I'd choke up as I'd watch my grandmother make biscuits. And knowing where I was at, and she'd say, oh, son, you got to do it this way. You need do it like this, turn the oven on, this is my temperature. And and I'd watch grandmother fix those biscuits, and I learned by watching her. And I'd throw down a bunch, man, and the pigs ate a lot around the house, straps, and I couldn't eat some of the stuff the pigs wouldn't even eat. Uh, but I want to say this I learned during the hardships, I've grown more than I ever would have imagined. I can do things now that I could have never done four years ago. I mean, I've raised my kids, I've tried to honor the Lord with my family, and with my kids, with my home, with my finances. I have more now than I ever have done in my life. (laughs) I'm blessed beyond measure. God has blessed me. I've learned to rise above the storms of life. I've learned this, that God does not forsake His people in the midst of the storm. You may not be in a storm. Listen to me, young people. You may not be in a storm, but they're coming. They're going to come. You mark her down. This ideology of this TV uh, broadcast preachers that say, uh, once you get saved, all your problems are over. They need to get saved, man. That's not how it is. In fact, the majority of God's people that have walked through pages of Scripture, every single one of them have encountered storm. Every one of them. You think about Job, look at all he lost. He lost his kids, lost all ten kids. God gave him double, gave him ten more to replace the one he lost, and he really didn't lose them because they're in heaven. So he's got double what he had. He's got double the money. The finances, all that he had. God blessed him. Think of all the great men of Scripture that have went through storms and tragedies. God is blessed. I'm doubly blessed today. <laughs> yeah, to rise above. It? You got to. There's no place to quit. I was talking to an old widow lady the other day in the community, and she said, "Lance." You have no idea how lonely I am since my spouse has died and she began to weep as I stood in her living room and visited with her and I said well I know it's hard I know what it is to be lonely I understand it but believe it or not I understand how you feel just a little bit I said honey there's no place to quit you can't stop you can't give up you've got to put one foot in front of the other and keep going just a second. She dried up her tears. She looked at me. She said, "Well, if you can, I reckon I can take another step." <clears throat> Listen to me, son. when troubles come, all you can do is just rise above. It. You, you can let the storm beat you, or you can beat the storm. Next hey I'm closing. I'm done. Not here. I was ready to give up. I've been in the storm for so long. I was ready to give up. There's no preacher from. Morganton, North Carolina. His name is Danny Castle called me. He's about there about three and a half, four hours from here. And somehow he'd heard about me and what I'd went through. I said, uh, you know, I, he wanted to call me and so he, he sent me a text message. He got my phone number. He said, "Will you call me. And I said, well, I'll, I'll call you. But I got on the phone with him and I said, uh, he wanted me to come preach camp meeting for him. And I hadn't been preaching a whole lot. Just here and there. And I said, Danny, I said, I mean no disrespect to you, none whatsoever. And I said, I don't know you. You don't know me. Why in the world are you calling me? That's what I said. Why are you calling me to come preach? And uh, he said, son, I've been where you're at. And his church is the Shining Light Baptist Church. off the. It's actually in Valdez, North Carolina, but right out of Morganton. And, and they have about 500, 300, 350, 500 people come every Sunday morning. He's known all over the nation. I had no idea who this guy was. No idea. And uh, he called me and said, I want you to come preach a camp meeting for me. I want you to come all week. I said, I can't come. You've called me a little bit late. i got my kids to tend to. And I said, I'll come for a day or two. And I, So uh, me and Gretchen struck out up there and went and met him. And short little fellow, little wiry man. He's been preaching about 46, 47 years. And uh, I mean, he's a fireball. And after we got done, we sat down with him and I went to Crackerbound, had a meal, and he sat down and he told me everything he went through. And he said, Son, I know where you're at. I've been there. He said, I they've been trying to get me to quit for years. And he said, But I'm gonna give you some literature and give you some books to read. You go home, read them, and get back with me. Handed me, handed me the title oh, of it, and we and ordered them. I read them there. And I looked at that man, he's still working for God, and he's winning souls. He's all over the internet, YouTube, winning souls. There's people down in Africa. China, all over the world listening to this man preach. He told me, he said, Son, I'm reaching more people right now than I've ever reached in my entire life. In just one broadcast of his messages on the internet, he said, there's no telling. He said, one of them, he said, I know the other day reached 130,000 people. He said, God is using me now more than I ever... He said, if I would have quit, God, I would have missed the blessings of God. He said, because all I've went through... And he said, he told me this, he said, there's no place for you to quit. You better get back busy doing what he's asked you to do. He said, has God called you to preach? I said, yes, sir. He said, then find something to do. He said, there's a remnant out there that need God. he said, you find that work and you get busy. And don't you complain to me one bit, that there ain't nothing to do. There's plenty of work to do. And I tell you, by the grace of God, I've tried to rise above it. He's put men like Danny Castle in my life. He's put Gretchen in my life. But Ricky in my life, my mean old mother-in-law in my life that's helped me. I mean, we pick at one another. When Trudy gets ready to die, I'm gonna get down to her face right before she crosses. I'm gonna say, Trudy, have you made it home yet? And right before she's crossed the river, she'll say, Well, I was about to, but you woke me up. God has blessed this man. There ain't no place to quit, signed You got to rise. But just cause there's just a handful here don't mean God's not working. Don't mean God's not doing his work. That's the message this morning. Do you want to play a song? Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to